We are going to do a short 13, now 12 minute class going over this um, of just basically the idea. Something that I want to emphasize, like I said before, is that the beauty of also learning four different subjects is not just the actual content of what we're learning, but it's also the style of way, the way you learn something, okay? I would put it like this. If we're putting what we're aiming for, I'd put it like this. The Gemara, we want to try to learn in depth, which means take as much time as you want, go slowly. You could have learn your own Mepharshim that you want, read the notes if you have an art scroll, learn Rashi, learn Taishvah, go into as deep as possible. When it comes to, what is it, Gemara, when it comes to, uh, what else was it? I think, when it comes to Mornavuchim as well, it's a discussion, it's philosophical, we also can go into it in depth while maintaining the mindset that it's not practicality, it's an idea. When it comes to Tsurba, the idea of Tsurba that we're trying to do is to see the flow from back in the day to the times of the Rambam to contemporary times. That's the idea of the Tsurba, okay? So the reason why I'm emphasizing that is because along the way in the Tsurba, he may mention a bunch of different other ideas, but we don't want to stop. It's called Girsa. We don't want to stop and focus on every idea that he brings. The idea is, meaning you could do it any way you want. You don't want to stop and focus as much on if he mentions a Gertoshov or he mentions these ideas. What you want to do is try to get the scope of history. That's what he's showing you, okay? So that's what I'm going to try to do in these 12 minutes, that we're going through the flow. We're not going to focus on the details as much as we're going to focus on the general um, idea, okay? So he starts off like this. In six places in the Mishnah Torah. What is that? Oh. In six places in the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam relates to Christianity and its founder, and he rules categorically that it is considered complete idolatry. Okay? So the Rambam says like this. I'm going to read the English because we want to get the whole idea. The Christians are idol worshippers, and Sunday is considered the day of their festival. Therefore, it is forbidden to do business with them in the land of Israel on Thursday and Friday every single week, and certainly on Sunday itself, which is forbidden in any location. This is how we relate to them regarding all of the festivals. What Ruby explained, what Ruby explained, so that was an idea Ruby mentioned that in Eretz Yisrael, we also are more careful even, meaning their day that they worship is Sundays. That's the day we definitely don't do business with them. But even as the week goes along, Thursday and Friday, we make like you were saying, we make a fence to make sure that we don't do business with them on Sunday. We add Thursday and Friday as well, okay? Then it says about a Ger Toshav, one who has accepted upon himself the seven mitzvot of the sons of Noah, as we have explained, is prohibited to drink his wine, but is permitted to derive benefit from it. And one may leave wine with him briefly, but not for an extended period of time. This, what he's mentioning about the Ger Toshav and the wine, is a side note. The point is what he says at the end. He says, but one may not derive benefit from the wine of those Gentiles who worship idolatry, which over here in the original text of the Rambam, it says Christians, Christians. Other opinions argue, so the Rambam is very clear. We start off with the Rambam, Maimonides, no good. Christians, bad, cannot do business with them on their day of worship, cannot go into a church. Yeah. It's, it's interesting though, because in Azim Shkotl, we had the guy Muhammad, who uh, obviously Muslim, uh, that uh, Muhammad were, Goldberg. No, because today, meaning today, today we even say a Jew who is not Shomer Shabbat, we don't want them pouring wine. But that's a different thing. That's a different thing. Meaning today, that's what I'm trying to say. Today we're starting from the Rambam. If you're moving to contemporary times, we take it a million, a million steps further in regards to how much we apply this. So we here they're talking about 
whether they're full on idol worshippers or not. But Today we take it to a whole different level. About, what? What he's talking about is derisa, and most of what we do today is a derabbanan. Yeah, it's true. So he said like this: other opinions argue that Christians are not considered idol worshippers. This is based on the opinion of Tosfos that Gentiles are not subject to the prohibition of shituf. Okay, so there's an idea over here that there's something called shituf which is really what Christianity is. That Christians, meaning you're putting God, you're saying, God forbid, you're saying God is a partner with somebody else. You're not saying, oh, this, uh, whoever it is, this is only God by himself. You're saying they're partners. So that's shituf. So Toisvis argues that Gentiles do not fall under the prohibition of shituf, which means only for Jews we say that's a problem. But a Gentile to say shituf, we're not as upset about that. They don't believe in the deity by itself. They believe in God and them together. So that's what Toisvis says. And he says it over here. Rabbeinu Tam says that it is permitted to receive an oath from a Gentile, although they mention the name of heaven with them and their intentions are for something else. Nevertheless, this is not considered idolatry for they are still referring to the one who created the heavens. And although they mention the name of heaven with something else, we have not found that it is prohibited to cause others to partner and there is no prohibition of lifna either for the children of Noah were not commanded regarding this. Okay, so machlokas between the Rambam and the Tosfas. Okay, that's level number one where we're starting in history. Rambam versus Tosfos. Then we move down, next generation, the Ramah. Who does the Ramah Paskin like? Which in general, Ashkenazim go like the Ramah, is with Tosfos. It says in Shulchan Aruch and one should be careful in making partnership with Gentiles. Perhaps the Gentile will obligate himself to swear against him, and the Jew will violate the names of other gods, should not be heard through your mouth. The Ramah says, some are lenient regarding partnerships with Gentiles nowadays, because the Gentiles nowadays do not swear by idolatry. Which, by the way, in Shulchan Aruch, when it says the text of Shulchan Aruch, that is the Beis Yosef, that is general how Sephardim Paskin, the Ramah comes and gives this commentary, that's generally how Ashkenazim Paskin. So the Ramah comes along and says, you could be lenient in regards to Christians, and even though they mention the idol, nevertheless their intention is the creator of heaven and earth, except that they join the name of heaven and foreign gods. So basically he says the same idea, it's Shituf, yeah. So I, I said last week, and people said I was wrong, but I'm, I'm doubling down. Yes. <laughs> and and that, that, as a practical matter, yeah. it's interesting that the Spartan or Mulmachner, as it turns out, than the Ashkenazim, because the Ashkenazim live among the Christians. Yeah. And therefore, not being able to do business with but them. But the Spartan also, the Spartan in Spain right. lived amongst the Christians. Yeah. The Christians are really meaning pretty much everywhere. <laughs> so it's very hard. But it's, wait a second, I just want to finish this. However, Ravavadi Yosef rules that Christians are considered idol worshippers, citing the interpretation of the Naida Bihuda. However, in the response of Naida Bihuda, he says, that which is thought of as a precious expression by people, that Gentiles are not commanded regarding Shittuf. You hear the way he says it? He says, people say this as a precious expression, that Gentiles don't have Shittuf. This is a mistake. And it arose due to the ruling of the Ramah, but in truth, this is not the intention. Which you see, by the way, over here, which is, by the way, why I was saying it's so good in Kolal to have fierce, exciting debates. Because look at even the way the great Talmidi Chachamim speak about each other. It's not necessarily always in the nicest way. He's saying over here, written very clearly to be famous, that everyone's making this massive mistake because the Ramah ruled wrong. Very straight up. Rather, it is to say that when a non-Jew takes an oath by his idol together with the name of heaven and does not say you are my God, he is not warned against doing this. So what the, what the Rav Avad Yosef is explaining over here is that the reason why this mistake is because they were talking about oaths. That we say by an oath, 
it's not such a big deal. But accordingly, with regard to the practices to which the Christians are accustomed to performing in their churches, where they bow down and prostrate themselves in the manner of worship of a deity, they certainly have the status of idol worshiper as a result, in accordance with the opinion of the Rambam and other Paiskim. So wait a second. He goes like this in the bottom. This is very important. He says like this. It should be noted that Ravavadya is referring specifically to Catholicism here, which does, not, which does include prostration in this manner as part of their service. However, many other sects of Christianity do not include this as part of their worship, such as Protestant, Seventh-day Adventists, etc. According to this logic, it is possible that the method of worship such a, such, of such sects may not be considered Avodah though their conception of God may still qualify as an Avodah belief. Okay? For a brief discussion of this, you can look elsewhere. Okay? So according to Ravad Yosef, it seems to be that he's only prohibiting Catholicism, but the other sects of Christianity would be okay. Then he continues, in addition to discussing the halachic status of Christianity, the postkim also discussed the nature of the prohibition to enter a church, which today this is probably the most practical, as well as obviously doing business is massively practical. But other than that, of entering a church, if you're on a vacation, you want to see the Notre Dame, you want to see these places that are supposed to be gorgeous, you say to yourself, oh, I want to go inside. So somebody asked, again, I believe this is Rav Avadia. Yes, Rav Avadia Yosef, somebody asked him this question. Is it permitted for a Jew to enter a church? Rav Avadia said in Masechet Avodah Daf 17, on the first side of the page, it is explained that there is a prohibition even to come close to the entrance of a house of idol worship. As the verse states, do not come close to the entrance of her house. This is also stated by Tosfot there. Indeed, it has been clarified by the Rambam that Christians are considered idol worshippers and therefore their churches are real houses of idol worship. In summary, the matter is clear that it is absolutely prohibited to visit their churches. Okay? So the consensus of the postkim, to end off that part, the consensus of the postkim is that it is forbidden to enter a church in most situations. Moreover, most postkim forbid entering a church that's currently used only as a tourist or historical site as it still retains the status of a house of idol worship. So we really take it to an extreme. Even if, which I don't know what it is, let's say for example, the Notre Dame, where there's no services, I don't know if there is or not, and it's only about going in and taking pictures, then we say... But it's still under construction. Because it burnt. No, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know at the practical level. I'm saying that's the only famous church that I know of, right? Even if they don't use it. The Vatican. Even if they don't use it, we stay away. Even if they don't use it, Okay. The Rambam continues and he says, and I actually want to get to the end of this, though I think that next week we'll continue learning it inside because there's such an interesting uh, point to end off, that in addition to not entering the house of idol worship, the Rambam writes that one must distance oneself as much as possible from the house of idol worship, which means not just not to go in, but not even to go close. So the Rambam says it should be known that every city of the Christian nation that has an altar, which means a house of prayer, which is a house of idol worship without a doubt, would be forbidden to pass through intentionally and certainly to live there. However, God has given us over against our will, fulfilling the prophecy of, and you shall serve gods made by the hands of man, hewn in stone and wood. Which means, even to live in a city, which in America today, I don't think it's possible, I don't know, to have in the city that does not have a church. You can't live in Jerusalem with that. That's what I'm saying. Anywhere you go, I'm in America, anywhere you go, the Rambam is basically saying is that this is the prophecy that we're given over into their hands. We can't even find a place that doesn't have a church. Yeah. Even Jerusalem. The even Arab countries. What? The Arab countries. Exactly. That's like, what's his name? I think it was the, I think it was the Belzer Rebbe that when he came to Israel, he moved to Tel Aviv. 
because it's the only, he said it's the only city that doesn't have a mosque. That's a different discussion, but he said he'd rather live in Tel Aviv than Jerusalem because there's no mosque. Rav Yosef Dov Soloveitchik, otherwise known as the Rav, is quoted by Rav Herschel Schachter in his Sefer Nefesh Rav as having taken this principle even further. And this is the part that was absolutely fascinating to me that I wanted to get to, that I'm happy that I was able to speed through it a little bit to get to this point. The Rav says like this, this is crazy because as someone, as Ronnie mentioned to me, this has unbelievable implications to today. When President, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated, his funeral took place in a Catholic church and many Jews in the United States watched it on television. Our teacher of Soloveitchik was greatly upset by this and said that since according to Catholic religion, one who participates in one of their religious ceremonies by watching it on television has fulfilled his obligation, which means according to them, if you're watching on TV at home, you're as if you're there, all of those Jews that watched the funeral were thereby participating in an idolatrous ceremony, which is certainly a violation of a prohibition. As what is the difference whether one enters a church which is forbidden or brings the church into his house? That's the words from Rav Shachter quoting Rav Soloveitchik. Okay? Ah, ah. So, so it didn't prevent uh, Rav Sachs from going to, into the church uh, in uh, England. So that's the question. That's what Roddy was saying. That's the question. Is what, first of all, we have to ask over here like this, which I'm sure they did ask this, I'm assuming, is that the question is over here, he specifies... Catholic. Or is the Church of England Catholic? I don't know. No. They're Catholic or they're Protestant? They're what? Anglican. Anglican. Yes. That sounds like a reformed or something. Is that what it is? No, because that's a massive that's a massive question because not just you're talking about, you know, any rabbis who went in. He's talking about watching it on TV. But if they are, that anyone watching the royal weddings or any of the royal, that would be a problem. If they're Anglican, if they're like, I don't know what, lightweight uh, Christians, maybe then we'd say, okay, fine. But one of the problems I have with this is yeah. he's saying it's 